Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. I am so excited today to introduce you uh, to an individual, a new voice, a deep, deep well uh, of wisdom and beauty and light that um, I don't know how I hadn't come across his writings before, Um, but they crossed my desk, and for the last month or so, I have taken a nosedive um, into his work, and I can tell you this, um, he is one of us. Uh, The way he's translated the world um, is just beautiful, and I'm so excited to introduce him today and have him join us at the conversation. That being said, Mark Nepo is joining us from Michigan, America. Mark, welcome to the conversation. Oh, thank you, Ashton. It's great to be with you today. Yes, sir. So, um, poet, teacher, storyteller, all of the above, when, where do you begin uh, when you introduce yourself and your work in the world? Oh, I just begin, you know, with, I think we're all, let me just start by saying, I think every person that's ever lived and will live will get an opportunity to be dropped into the depth of life. Mm-hmm. And that's where the journey really begins. And for me, you know, that really, I'm also, in, in addition to the other things you mentioned, a long-term cancer survivor, 30, 30 years. Wow. And um, in my 30s. And, um, and so that really dropped me into the depth of life. Mm-hmm. And I think that what, and we can talk, we'll talk more about this, that it, it doesn't have to be life-threatening or catastrophic. You know, we could be dropped into the depth of life by beauty or wonder or being seen and heard for the first time. Um, but that's just what happened to me. Yeah. And so that was the doorway into inhabiting I, a heart view of the world that I, I always felt was naturally there, but after almost dying, I, I really woke up in it. Yeah, 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 that was, that was your die before you die moment. Um, yeah. Literally. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I understand, and I think things become clear in retrospect. I think we live forward, but uh, just staying true to whatever calls, and then I look back and it seems to make sense. Yeah, <laughs> and totally. So, you know, I think the poet in me, I, I've always, from an early age, I've always understood the world through metaphor, before I even knew what metaphor was. <laughs> and so, you know, that's really been my doorway into reality, and the philosopher in me tries to be in conversation and understand what all what all those metaphors uh, carry and the cancer survivor in me I'm very committed as a teacher to say okay if that speaks to us then how do we how do we apply that to our very specific lives our very personal days what how, where do we where does it live in us yeah, yeah yeah once you fall into that one great big life where do you go from there what does it mean yeah and it's very unique for each, while we all go through similar passages, which is what I think Carl Jung meant when he talked about archetypes, that there are arches or passageways that everyone goes through, birth, death, love, loss, friendship, betrayal, trust, you know, you can go on and on, but but no two people go through them exactly the same way, and that's why, while we can share and compare notes, there is no how-to mm-hmm. 
So you say almost um, there was there was a quote or somewhere where uh, I was watching a conversation that you had, and and I and I'm going to paraphrase. So hold my hand here if I get it incorrect. But you said something along the lines of, "The deeper I go into myself, I find you, and the deeper I go into you, I will find myself." And you, I love how you talk about comparing notes, and that uh, the human experience is equally individual but and unique but also equally universal yeah and i think uh, yes you know you paraphrase that well i i think i've learned through what, what i've been through just just that that you know we we think that we're different and then great love and great suffering always uncover hmm. that we are the same you know uh there's a great uh the Christian uh, desert mystic fathers in the third century had a wonderful metaphor for this and and yet even how it affects community and it was that of a spoked wheel like a wagon wheel you might see on a western and so we all can imagine that well what they offered was that every spoke is an individual soul and when we go out into the world we inhabit our uniqueness that is no two spokes uh, hold up the same spot on the rim. But if I go inward into me, I find you because mm-hmm. we all meet in the hub in the center. And that hub is the unnameable, you can call it God, you can call it nature, you can call it the cosmic universe, you have a thousand names, but that hub and the rim is community. Yeah. So yeah, as we live out in the our uniqueness, we take our place in holding us all together. But when I go into my deepest place, we find each other. Mm. Beautiful. And, and and one other thing about that is that is that you take any one of those parts out and you don't have a wheel. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yes. Wow. I got a feeling you and I are about to geek out on metaphors for about an hour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I ask everyone this question, or I ask it a lot, um, but are, are there any daily disciplines, morning rituals? Is, is there anything that um, every day, rain, sleet, snow, or shine, that, that keeps you grounded, centered at the soul level? Um, yes, sure. Question. You know, I, I, I would say, and first let me preface that by saying, you know, different, I'm 67, and at different points in my life, I have studied different things in a concentrated way, meditating and different things. But at this point in my life, I purposely am really committed to an integrated practice. So mm. the first thing I do every morning, I do two things. One is I, I pull up our, our blinds to let light in. Let's go. And the second thing, well, actually, there's three things. The second thing is I, make, I prepare coffee for my dear wife, Susan. And the third thing is I, I get my puppy up and, and hug her. And take care of and feed her. So, so every day I'm consciously letting light in, doing something for someone I love, and and feeding mm. life. And and then I then I get up into my study where I am now and where Zuzu, my yellow lab, is sleeping right next to me. <laughs> and um, and then I be, I begin to listen because writing is really about listening. It's and then taking notes mm-hmm. and staying in conversation with life. And then, you know, during the day, that's mostly usually the morning, roughly. And but and then I make sure in the afternoon that I 
am in conversation with others like you or that I'm out in the world purposely doing errands. And then I like to wind up at some kind of cafe setting sometime mm-hmm. in the afternoon because I, I love that. I love the coffee house scene, my field office. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I lo- well, I love the, um, I mean, I love how fast you kind of just came with that rhythm and routine. Uh, I mean, light, coffee, light, uh, life, taking notes. Um, those are really these beautiful anchor points that you, I, I assume that you've kind of just, it's not like they're checklist anymore. They just, they're just part of who you are and what you do each day. Well, yeah. And I would also offer, as we talk about process, which I appreciate your asking is that I, I think it's very important to say that, you know, the, 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 you know, the value of the process is that it's a common human process. It's not just if you want to be a writer or if you want to be an yeah. artist, that I, I happen to write it down, but it doesn't matter if you write it down. It's, it's what is your process for letting light in, mm. for caring for others, for listening, for being in relationship every day. And that's what's really valuable about, about it. You know, one other thing that I have come to do is, you know, I like many people, you know, I start and then once I get going, I'll make a list of what I want to explore or need to, to take care of during the day. But, you know, having almost died from cancer and still being here, um, then, then what I do is I take a sip of coffee and I ask myself, well, if today's the only day I have left, what really belongs on the list? Mm. And then a lot of that list goes away and other things go on the list like, call my dearest oldest friend and tell him I love him even though he knows it and Mm -hmm. and so I I I still make the list yeah but then I unmake the list yeah (laughs) yeah yeah that's so good that reminds me I think you had an entry in um things that join the sea and sky and it was about I think it was something about the thieves and it was about a to-do list quieting Um, the thieves quieting the thieves and I loved how you said I'm finding the page here um, let me just tell you the story of quieting the thieves. Uh, two days ago, my wife and two girls were at the swimming pool, um, and I read quieting the thieves. She's like a hundred yards away on the other side of like this huge Olympic pool, watching the girls jump in. I literally get out from under my introvert shade tree of reading your book, and I walk over there in the blazing sun and go, "You need to read this right now." <laughs> it was the quieting the thieves moment. That's why it triggered with me. Um, but you write in there, uh, we carry these lists near our heart and finger them like worry beads. I mean, j- just, good gosh, what an amazing way to break that down. And then you, you just kind of talk about how at some point um, they vanish, well, and, right? And that's a good, yeah, and it's a good, uh, so this really was, you know, as you know, uh, but for our listeners, where I was just caught in the rain on the way to a cafe mm-hmm. and I pulled out when I got in there I pulled out my list my little list and everything the rain had blurred all the things on the list at mm. last I couldn't follow it I had to give it up <laughs> yeah at and, last that was what that's what gutted me in those words you just go at last <laughs> <laughs> but the the lesson and, and this is a good example of by listening the reward for listening is we get insight so at the end of that piece there's a sentence in there that says you know, the greatest thief is the insidious virtue to believe that everything has to be in order before we live. Mm. And I didn't know that when I first started writing that. 
I didn't like, oh, that'll be a neat thing to end with. No, by, by being listening and being uh, opening my heart to that moment and following the feeling, I was rewarded with that insight. Mm. So I guess to reflect on that, in a sense, you're saying that you're not always going to have your dom- dominoes lined up, that to have everything in order and precise and perfect and so forth is to rob life of its serendipity, if you will. Well, yeah, and, and even not serendipity, even more so, it's essential, it's essential resources. So, so let's, yes. for a second here, let's talk for a second about perfection and, and about the dominoes. So the first thing is that, you know, William Blake in his aphorisms, he has one that says, straight is the road to improvement, but crooked is the road to genius. Oh, that's, yes. that's salty. Repeat that again. Straight is the road to improvement, but crooked is the road to genius. <laughs> so not only is that profound in that we have to follow, I mean, the word trust literally means follow your heart. Mm-hmm. Not only do we have to follow our heart, but let's stop for a minute and look at the word genius. And, and, and let me pause for a second and say, you know, I'm very interested in word origins, but yeah. not because I'm a word geek, but because... Just, just as how things in nature are eroded over time, well, words are eroded over time. Totally. So yep. it's very helpful to look at their earlier meanings because they're more whole. So genius, we think of genius today, and it, its meaning is someone with a particular extraordinary brilliance, uh, like a Mozart or an Einstein or Stephen Hawking or you can all kinds of people you can come up with. But the original notion of genius means attendant spirit Mm. everyone has an attendant spirit it's not reserved for those who have extraordinary gifts this is where the word genie comes from Mm. aladdin's lamp that myth really says you know if you embrace your life and your experience like the lamp then your genie will appear and your, your attendant spirit or your guardian angel or your soul or your inner voice, whatever you want to call it. So now when we look back at Blake's uh, aphorism, straight is the road to improvement, but crooked is the road to your attendant spirit, mm-hmm. to the voice of your soul, to your connection, to whatever name you want to give mm-hmm. uh, the larger invisible. So, so this connects to the whole notion of, uh, of perfection because that's another word that is remarkably different. Yeah. Perfection did not in the beginning mean without flaws. Perfect, to be perfect meant to be thorough. Mm. Total, that's a, total shifter. Oh, my God. Yeah. So there's a fork in the road in 2,000 years of education. <laughs> Because the reward for being thorough yeah. is, is to be wholehearted. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's more integration and wholeness in that etymology than there is without flaw. Yeah, only when we try to be without flaw, we remove ourselves from life. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. You've, um, in one of your interviews, you talked about... Um, moving at the pace of what is real. Mm -hmm. And and I I wanted you to hold my hand on that because it rang very true. But is 
is this kind of when you when you talk about moving at the pace of what is real is this the mind body soul moving or existing in concert what what do you mean by that yeah so i have discovered just in a very in a real way in my life and 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 also let me before i detail that say that for me i feel like so much of being you being a spirit in a body and time on earth has to do with constant course correction that is, I don't believe personally in an arrived state of enlightenment. I mean, I'm not saying it can't happen. I don't know. Maybe maybe the Dalai Lama's there or somebody else, but that hasn't been my experience. <clears throat> so for me, I feel like this journey of being human and being a spirit in a human body uh, is one of today I'm clear and tomorrow I'm confused and mm. today I fall down and tomorrow I get up and you know, we're talking and I might say something clear to you and tomorrow I'll have to relearn it. So, so every, so every individual has to develop their own personal practice of return. Yes. What do we, what do we do when we lose trust to restore trust? So, okay. So, so now when we look at the pace of what is real, um, I can't, stay in the pace of what is real all the time because of just what we just said. But what I notice is that when my heart, mind, and body are moving at the same pace, the pace of what is authentic and real, like tumblers in a mystical lock, everything opens, everything has that extra glow, everything, the oneness of life carries me, speaks to me. And then... I get afraid and my heart pounds faster than my body or my mind. Now I'm, I fall out of it. So I got to bring my heart back into rhythm or my mind races or my body races. So it's not to say, oh, well, I'm never going to live with uh, without them being in sync. No, we will because we're human. But if I can pay attention to, you know, when I'm afraid, when I worry, when I'm confused, um, what where's my heart mind and body how are they moving and how far out of sync from each other are they and then rather than going over in my mind with worry what i'm worrying about rather pay attention to how can i bring those back in alignment and that will soothe my worry Mm. that will connect me to the oneness of things yes yes so um when, when we talk about this pace of what is real. And, and then you, um, I think one of the things you've, you've taught on the most is this return. I underlined it in my notes here to talk about <laughs> the, the return, like, um, which for you is, is, is that when you flag that you're in the headspace and need to recenter back into your heart space? I mean, is that the essence? Yeah, of what I think at? that, I think that there, yeah, the return can take place on so many levels. So, but it is, you know, one of the, to return to being present, to holding nothing back, to leaning in when life pushes you out, when worry, fear, and pain push you away, that's when we need to lean back in. Mm -hmm. When I'm closed, that's when I need to open. So, you know, I can't stay open all the time, but when I close, I need to open when I'm afraid, I need to look at what I'm afraid of, because the word respect yeah, means to, to look re- again. Yeah, yeah. To look again. 
Yeah. And so I re- so when I'm afraid and I can look again, I'm respecting myself. Which is totally different than what we've thought respect means, or at least what we were taught in the last hundred mm-hmm. years. Yeah. Um so what are your what are your red flags? Like when you do stray in the moment and 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 the return needs to happen, is is that a bodily knowing? Is that a rhythmic of oh uh I'm, oh sure, I'm breathing heavy, I, I, my head hurts. What? Yeah, what is that? absolutely, absolutely. And I think every and this is where again, you know, whatever I share is an example, not an instruction. Yep, yep. So, so as people are listening and thinking about this, we all know that in ourselves. This is what the work of self awareness in a very specific way is that I'm grounded and I'm rooted and in in spirit. But that doesn't mean I'm exempt from the human journey. That doesn't mean that. I can't all of a sudden worry. And so one thing that happens is I start to go over things. Mm-hmm. If I'm worried about something, I wind up looping in my head. Mm-hmm. We all know this, whether it's, you know, you forget what, you know, you're going over what you care about or you're going over what someone said or you're in a situation and it doesn't feel good or it makes you feel insecure or hurt. So you keep going over it to see if it'll come out differently well, that never works. At least it hasn't for me. You you have to recognize that, drop it, and return to moving at the pace of what is real. You know, I have a, a small poem that's called Practicing, and it, it goes like this. As a man in his last breath drops all he is carrying, each breath is a little death that can set us free. Yes. Wow. So we're we're challenged just when I don't want to let go of it, when I'm going over whatever it is for the fourth, fifth, sixth <laughs> time. That's when I need to drop it. Yeah, surrender, I, I, let go. That's what self awareness the yeah. work of self awareness is to say, Hey, I, I recognize I've I've been here before and has going over it one more time ever really worked? No. So what do I, I gotta drop it. Mm. I gotta yeah. drop it. Each breath. Each breath wow. is a little death that can set us free. Kind of a sidestep here, but I had I had this phrase written down too, and I think it I think it pa- pairs well with the wisdom we just experienced. You once talked about um, learning how in life to absorb and integrate rather than sort and choose. Yeah, um, that that was just a magnificent idea for me hold, hold my hand in that conversation because i think i think those are the moments when we do have that red flag of go time out here um yeah so so to uh, to set a context for that let let's look at, at at this archetype and that is that everyone everyone has to manage surviving and thriving and like x and y chromosomes or like a left foot and a right, you know, you need two good legs to walk or two eyes. Without two eyes, there's no depth perception. We need to both survive and thrive. And those require different skills, different practices. So um, in order to survive in the and, – and, and if all we do is survive, what's the point? Mm-hmm. No meaning. But we can't – just thrive we are cast here as human beings and that means we're out in the world so 
you and I are in this deep conversation. Well, if we were walking on the street and we weren't paying attention, we could have this conversation and get hit by a truck. Uh, we that's man, that's part of the surviving. We have to pay attention to being in the world. So all of that to say that we're taught at an early age, all of us, this skill set with the mind, which is a remarkable tool. Um, we're taught how to problem solve and how to sort, prioritize, and choose. So I need to go get medicine at the store. I need to be able to sort through and get the right medicine uh, in order to bring it home for my wife. Okay, but but sorting, choosing, and prioritizing is a great skill that helps us survive. It's not a code to live by. It's not a God to pray to. And what I've learned through my life is that while you know, I, <clears throat> I, I'm glad that I can sort, prioritize, and choose, and it helps me survive, but everything that's ever mattered that's real, that's deep, that's life-giving, has stunned me and said to me, no, your heart needs to absorb and integrate. Your heart needs to let it all in and hold it until your heart reveals a deeper logic of the spirit. So it doesn't mean that I throw away my skill of sorting and choosing, and prioritizing it means i need to know where to use it hmm. yeah. and it doesn't at least for me it never works you know paradox which is one of the greatest teachers we could say is any moment where more than one thing is true at the same time that's well uh, so right so if we yeah. put on if we if we apply sorting choosing and prioritizing the work of the mind to paradox we'll never get anywhere because by definition paradox, you need to absorb and hold and integrate so it can reveal a deeper truth. And that requires an open heart and patience and holding off on drawing any conclusions. Yeah. 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 There's the both and of paradox. Yes. Um, and and uh, you know even even just the when you say human being you you're making two separate comments there in a way right that absolutely we, we are we are human and i think as you've said and then we're also lightning in a bottle <laughs> that so we exactly. we hold we, we we behold this infiniteness within us and and one of the ways all the traditions speak about it differently but one i think beautiful way to hold this it comes from the Hindu tradition. And, you know, the Hindu tradition has a trinity of Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Those are three deities. So it's a way to understand what we're just talking about because Brahma is creative life force. It has no form. It just comes into life. And then Vishnu is the life of forms. So that life force enters every, it enters the tree, it enters the water, it enters me, it enters you, it enters, you know, my dog Zuzu right here. Mm -hmm. And so then we, as human beings, as the being is infinite and the human's very finite, we are containers that are privileged to be stewards of that 
portion of life force for as long as we're here. We carry it. That's the lightning in the bottle. Yeah. And, and it's our job to be good stewards. And we call that that portion of life force soul. We call it a, a thousand names for it. But then eventually, of course, all forms uh, decay, come to an end, and release that infinite piece of life force, and that's Shiva. Shiva is known as the transformer, which allows the life force to go back and become Brahma again and, and enter new life forms. Mm-hmm. But when we're, Shiva has been also called the destroyer because, you know, when you understand it from the big picture, you say transformer, but when you're the life form that's breaking down and dying, well, we say, oh, it's destroying me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, so I think as as we move from this moving at the pace of what is real, staying in concert with mind, body, heart, and soul, um, there was an entry, I think, in the Book of Awakening about living in our hands. Um, yeah. And I sent it to a friend of mine that's just... He just comes alive when you talk about things about the garden, and and I, and I told him I was like, dude, you just gotta just stay in the garden. <laughs> like if that's if that's where you're alive, just stay there. Um, but you you wrote to live in our hands humbles our mind into accepting something other than itself. It is how we heal each other and ourselves. We all come alive through a braille of heart. Mm. I mean that's yeah that's beautiful. Well, um, thank you. What's Walk with me on this living in our hands. So, so this ties to what we've been talking about, authenticity, because the word authentic, which comes from the Greek authentes, means the mark of the hands, hmm. the mark of the hands. So this is the integration of inner and outer. And it's interesting. I learned from a, a physician, and this is so interesting, that when when a fetus is forming, when a life is forming in the womb, the first thing to form is the heart. But the next thing to form is vestiges of the arms and the hands. They actually form, they call them arm buds. They look like little red wings. Hmm. So, so the heart is directly connected to the hands. Wow, that's good. Directly. So th- this is why when we're feeling a lot, we talk with our hands. This is why one of the signs of a heart attack is you feel a pain in your arm because mm-hmm. they're, connect, they're connected. So, so this brings to the notion of, and I'll have another metaphor here, this brings to the notion that everyone, everyone ha- is born with a gift and our job is to find out what it is and to love it and care for it. And so, you know, the, the, to understand the relationship of the gift to our place in the world, and this I explored in the, my book, The One Life We're Given, but there's a metaphor that comes from a wooden match, you know, a match yep. that you st- strike yep. and lights a flame. Well, we all know that a match, the flame is dormant in the tip of the match. And so too are gifts. Mm-hmm. We are born with our gifts but like that match, our gifts don't reveal their light and warmth until they, our gifts strike against the needs of the world. Mm. 
That's good. That's good. All, all to bring the aliveness of our heart yep. into being. So I guess I'm, I'm connecting a lot of dots right here, right now, but to truly, authentically live in our hands, that can only come from a place of living out from the heart. Is that, am I, yes. am I dialing that in right? Yes. Uh, you know, as, as for me, you know, as, as far as, <laughs> as for you uh, and I, we agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, someone might see it differently, but yes. So, you know, this is a, a tool is only as good as the hand that uses it. And that hand is only as good as the heart that guides it. Wow. Wow. So we are definitely connected. And, and what happens through touch is not only do we give, but we receive. And that exchange is how we're more together than alone. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, I could do this all day. Uh, (laughs) uh, Another section in things that join the sea and sky, um, and I've heard you talk about this too, is is falling below the world. Um, And and I kind of wanted to hear you riff on this. You wrote, so many truths are present when we look up from under our trouble. To fall below the world while still living in the world makes us remember that the truth that waits under our opinions is our home. I mean, that's so good. So how how do we, I think you've used like the dolphin metaphor here before. Yeah, let me talk about that because it's so powerful. And this is another great teach. So, So all of these metaphors, the match, you know, These are teachers. These are all teachers. In the Hindu tradition, uh, there's a term, upa guru, which means the teacher that is next to you at this moment. Mm -hmm. So so this upa guru is, yeah, whales and dolphins, you know. So they're remarkable because they are creatures that live in the deep, but they're air-breathing creatures. No matter how long they stay under, they have to break surface. So this... This helps us understand surviving and thriving. So each of us has to find our own rhythm of of going in the deep and coming in the surface. And so as we do that, you know, we can't just live in the deep mm-hmm. because we'll drown. But we can't just live in the surface either because without the deep, we will dry up. So... So let's look at the water itself, and I'm, moving, I'm shifting the metaphor now. So we all know that we, we see on the surface, we see waves, and we, we think, but actually, it's all one water. Like, you go down underneath, that wave goes as a column of water all the way to the bottom. So this is a way to understand um, how we are in the world, because we can't just choose to be in the deep or the surface. We are always... In both. Now, the top six inches, let's say, of the ocean, or eight inches, are always disturbed by weather. Mm. Mm. They're always knocked around, churned, gone calm, you know, riptides, surf. That's our psychology. That's the, the part of our mind and heart that interact with the world. It will always be disturbed by circumstance and weather. If all we do is stay up there, we're going to be battered around. But it's all one water, remember. So when I, can, I can't remove myself from the surface, but when I go, as we're talking, 
under the noise of my trouble, when I allow my heart, when I can, even in trouble, try to move at the pace of what is real and deepen into authenticity and connect to the rest of life, now I'm in the ocean of being. And that doesn't remove the uh, the turbulence at the surface, but it right-sizes it. Yep. It yep. right-sizes it. The truth that waits under our opinions is our home. Yeah. That's that deep, deep water you're speaking of. Yeah. And again, no one can stay there all the time, but we can return. We can remember, yeah. oh, I'm being drawn to the surface. I'm, I'm feeling battered around. Mm-hmm. What do I got to do? I got to go deep. Yeah. I have to extend and open myself to everything that's beneath me, through me, yeah. beneath me, around me. Connecting this all the way back to your daily rituals or kind of some of that morning routine. And you may do it every day, but do you also feel that the day you don't start with letting the light in, then moving to generosity and making your wife a cup of coffee, and then moving to the life that is man's best friend, and then, <clears throat> and then taking notes, like, do you find it's harder to return? Um, well, it's you, harder. I get drawn there. Yeah. And, and, you know, I travel a lot. So when I'm not home, I can't do those specific things, but it doesn't matter. I can do another version of it wherever I am. And so, yes, if I don't, you know, it makes a difference if I start my day from that depth, from the ocean of being or not, because otherwise I'm being battered around and I'm playing catch up. So, so a way to recognize this for, for anyone who's listening in a very simple daily terms is when I'm not starting from an authentic place, I find that I'm caught, I get caught up in that life is not where I am. I'm chasing it or it's over there. Or if I got to get there, if I could only get this done, if I could only get to there or be like that. And when I do start with authenticity, and allow myself to fall below my opinions and in that depth, then I remember and feel life is only where we are. Yep, yep. There, there's nowhere to go. The mundane becomes magic in that moment. It does. The extraordinary yep. comes out of the ordinary. Yep. 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 So, so one other thing that we, while we're still with this water uh, metaphor, and that is so all the waves on the top are the thousand human moods and feelings and peace or joy i've come to understand is the ocean of being that holds all feelings Mm. not the still point at the end of trouble but the depth of being that holds all trouble it's container yes wow i had never thought of that that way Joy and peace end up being containers in that moment. Because the truth is, there is no end to trouble. <laughs> There's yeah. no end to waves. Yeah. Yeah. There's no end to weather. So yeah. it's, it's the, I've learned for me that it's when I can, can be authentically who I am and connected both inwardly and outwardly, oh, there's something there that's holding mm-hmm. the trouble. Yeah, and even just letting go of peace and joy being a finish line. I mean, I'm just I'm I'm kind of yes. I'm processing this in real time, but 
<laughs> um, knowing them as containers um, and just letting the light in as your first action of the day. It, it's it, that That is a moment to make the container that the day's about to hold. Um, because, because the process of living from the heart is letting the light in all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Wherever, wherever you find it. Mercy. Um, (laughs) so, uh, last little riff here from, um, let's see, what book was it? Yeah. Things that join the sea and sky. I, that's going to be my summer journey journal. Oh, thank you. Um, you write about unraveling our fear and and there was um when when you spoke of fear turning into a chameleon um i was like whoa this is this is a big idea and you, and you write the haunting thing is that the fear doesn't want to be abandoned any more than i do so it's willing to transform itself like a chameleon into vigilance preparedness efficiency or productivity if I could hold my fear, uh, if I could, I'd hold my fear and baptize it in the lake of my heart. Um, I mean, maybe I just need to read that and just let it marinate <laughs> for, for all of us. But um, guide me, be my guide here in this idea yeah. of fear, like blending in and becoming preparedness, efficiency, or productivity. So, yeah, so this is basically in my experience, how fear, uh, if not faced, comes out sideways. Mm-hmm. You know, fear not faced, will it won't go away. So, you know, I learned a great deal about fear f- from my cancer journey because in my 30s, I hadn't been through anything life-threatening and I was afraid of everything. I was terrified. You know, I was um, everywhere I went in the medical world and I had to go through so many things. But, you know, I was, my name is Mark, put me out. And, uh, and so, so much that they thought my last name was put me out. And, <laughs> um, but I learned two, two immediate things. One was through, not through wisdom, but through exhaustion. I couldn't maintain that level of fear. Wow. It, it exhausted me. So I had to learn to discern. Is this fear? Is this Am I uneasy? I had to make gradations. I, had, I couldn't make everything that turned the corner 11 on a scale of 1 to 10 because it just exhausted my heart. Wow. So I, I was forced to be more discerning and facing the things that I was afraid of. So fear gets its power from not looking. Yeah. And fear gets its power from the future and the past. When we're in it, whatever it is, it might be pain, it might be worry, it might whatever it is, then we're saying if it's difficult, oh God, I, when is this going to end? But but it's known, even if it's difficult. But fear comes from from jumping forward or going back. Mm-hmm. So again, like the other things we've talked about, when we do this, because we will, how do we recognize it and return? to the present moment, yep. return to the moment we're in. So fear comes out sideways that if I don't recognize or acknowledge or express my fear, because what is not 
expressed is depressed. If I don't express my fear, then it will and, and hold it just, you know, like a child that you won't give attention to. Um, they will get louder and louder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or if I don't feed Zuzu, she's going to be at my side starting to bark finally, eventually. So, you know, when we, without attending it, it'll find another way to stay close to us. So that means that, you know, when I, we always want to, we all want to be prepared about how to survive in life. Great. Nothing wrong with that. But if I don't face my fear, now my preparation gets exaggerated. Now it gets extreme. Now I'm, you know, become a survivalist. Now I'm preparing for the end of the world. So it comes out sideways or I become overproductive. I become my fear, you know, if I'm afraid that life is is too short rather than face my mortality and have and have a conversation about living fully. Yep with myself and others, well, then I race and I try to produce more. I try to make more. I try to get more money. I try to buy more things. I try to go more places. And all we do is we start to fuel that menacing assumption that, oh, life isn't where I am. It's over there. If I could just get over there. And life, if anything, that almost dying and still being here taught me is that there is no there. Yeah. There's, a, there's only here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, 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 and just to name that fear, that's, uh, the work of naming fear will be the keys that unlock the electricity of the moment that's at hand. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, I have a poem in, in my book of Paul. It's, it's a, book of 20 years of my poetry called The Way Under the Way, which I'm so grateful to have. But there's a poem, one, there's a poem in there that explores this, the notion of that the most powerful thing you can do when feeling powerless is admit the truth. As soon as you admit the truth of where you are, no matter how difficult, it's empowering. It sets us free. It said, yeah, you know, often, uh, <laughs> You know, I don't want to admit I'm sad, and it I already I already am. Yeah. I know, or I'm afraid of change. When I'm afraid of change, half the time the change has already happened, <laughs> and I just have to catch up to it. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Wow, so good. Um, one thing I always ask um, the people that come on our show is. Um, with the story you've lived and the viewpoint that you've had, and I think you've called it before, we, we all have our own window to the world, something like that. Um, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, you know, um, I, th- I think, um, you know, I'm not sure I would give advice to my younger self. I think I would have listened to my younger self and affirmed my younger self in the same way that a greenhouse allows a plant to grow. I think I would have been a greenhouse for my younger self. Listen to this (laughs) metaphor. (laughs) Oh, that's too good. That's too good. Wow. Have you ever, have you ever said that before? I don't think so. No. <laughs> I was about to say I've, that's that's a new one. Um, yes, we 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 need to greenhouse ourselves um, 
allow those and, seeds to bloom. And so let's just take that for a second and extrapolate it to caring for others. Mm-hmm. You know, we really, no matter how much experience we have, we, we, we're really not here to advise each other or give you, fix each other. You know, if you love someone, you, you want to be a greenhouse for them. Mm. You want to help them grow and sprout their own roots and truth and wisdom and heart. Man, I'm giving you a big high five through the microphone. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so um, a lot of people have left us in benediction form, poetry form, uh, whatever um, kind of stirs within them. You know, our conversation is good, true, and beautiful. We have moms, dads, artists, creatives, musicians, chefs, business owners, poets, sages. We're we're just a big honky-tonk here, you know? Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I always kind of surprisingly ask this question to people of like, um, for the little bit of conversation that you and I've had and the uh, overview of who we are, would, would you just leave us with some, um, whatever word uh, or words may come to you, a poem? Um, sure. Or so forth. So, uh, so let, this is a poem of mine called The Moment of Poetry, and I purposely call it that because poetry for me is so much more than the manipulation of words. Poetry is the unexpected utterance of the soul. So this is it's called the moment of of poetry when the sweet ache of being alive lodged between who you are and who you will be is awakened befriend this moment it will guide you its sweetness is what holds you its ache is what moves you on yes And that's a wrap. (laughs) Hey, before you go, don't forget to hit subscribe right there on your phone. That's probably where you're listening. Uh, And if you enjoyed this, would you mind leaving us a review? One of the things that we're wanting to do is get this information out to as many people as we can. And we are finding that uh, when people leave good, true, and beautiful reviews, uh, that helps us get this information out more and more to people all across the world. I do not take it lightly. Uh, that you invite me to ride shotgun with you in your car. Uh, You allow these conversations to be a part of your jogs. You allow these conversations to be a part of the communities and families and businesses that you've been entrusted. Uh, I do not take that lightly at all, and I am thrilled uh, that you have joined us here at this table, at this conversation. There's always a seat left. There's always room for more, uh, and we are just so grateful for you guys joining us here at Good, True, and Beautiful. And as you approach this week, may you pause by the orchid, listen to the bluebirds sing, and be loved.